Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Chris Gordy of Sports Talk 790 down there in Houston, as well as the Locked On SEC podcast. And Chris, as always, man, appreciate you joining us. How are you doing this afternoon? Doing good, man. I uh, don't know why we had to wait till the week before SEC Media Days to finally find out who was going uh, <laughs> as far as the player representatives. But impressed by Arkansas, man. They're bringing the big dogs, where some of these other schools, it's like uh, South Carolina bringing their punter. What are we doing? Nobody wants to talk to the punter. Come on. Bring KJ Jefferson, Rocket Sanders, or Landon Jackson. That's, yeah, Arkansas knows how to do this. Some of the other schools, they don't really know how to do uh, SEC Media Days. Yeah, was it a was it was it Texas A&M that brought a punter once too? Didn't they do that? Yeah, and there's there's a reason behind it. Like the whole idea is the guys you bring to this are going to get votes for the All SEC team, right? I mean, the media members all vote for it, and so if you're the only school bringing the punter, guess what? That that kid is guaranteed to be the preseason first team All SEC uh, punter as voted on by the media. So there's <laughs> some thinking behind it, but like keep in mind what media days is it's talking with the media and promoting your team and talking about excitement for the season and all that kind of stuff. And like, I, I just, I don't get that some of these coaches defer to like the upperclassmen at times. It's like, well, he's a senior linebacker. I don't care. Is he any good? Does he have a personality? So like, to me, it's, you should be bringing the biggest names. Every school that has a, a stud quarterback should be bringing their quarterback. I don't know why Kentucky's not bringing Devin Leary. Nobody wants to talk to their D lineman at Kentucky. They want to talk to the starting quarterback. So um, it is what it is, but uh, at least for the most part, we do have a little bit of star power coming next week. Outside of the quarterbacks, who are some of the best players you saw on that list that are going to SEC media days? Well, two of our leading rushers in the SEC last year. Kudos to, to Ole Miss bringing in Quinchon Judkins as just a sophomore. Oh, my gosh. You could bring a sophomore to media hmm. days? But uh, him, and, him and Rocket Sanders, I think, you know, that's what, the one-two punch, um, you know, in the SEC as far as running backs go, and uh, we'll see. You know, I expect both those guys to be top three, top four again this year in rushing in the conference. So uh, those guys stood out. Obviously, Brock Bowers, the best tight end in the country uh, for Georgia. He's going. It's funny. I saw a list the other day. They were ranking wide receiving cores across the the, the uh, college football world, and they had Georgia up there. And number one, they ranked uh, Brock Bowers on the list. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Like, does that does he count? He's a tight end. He's not a wide receiver, but it's just you know he's one of those guys. He's the, he's the best weapon in all of college football. So. Excited that George is bringing him. You know, the quarterback mix, like I mentioned, KJ going, but seeing that uh, LSU's bringing Jaden Daniels, who obviously is going to be the leader of their team, Joe Milton from Tennessee. Um, you know, the quarterbacks jump out and, and grab the headlines. But one guy to keep an eye on, sneaky good, Dequavius Marks, the running back at Mississippi State. I've had a, on our Locked On SEC show the last couple of weeks, we had conversations with Will Rogers and uh, Mike Wright, the two quarterbacks there. They both brought up Dequavius Marks as a guy to watch this year. Mississippi State, I think, is going to be more balanced this year. They're not going to run the air raid anymore, obviously, with Mike Leach passing gone. But I think Mississippi State's going to be sneaky good and win some games that maybe they're not supposed to this year because they're going to be more 50-50 balanced run and, run and pass. So just kind of one of those names to keep an eye on as the year gets going. You know, I think that this is a question everybody asks for every particular team, but I'm going to ask you anyway. It sounds cliche, but – for Arkansas, since obviously that's the team we cover here in the state, what's the biggest storyline? What's the biggest question going into SEC media days? What's the th- going to be the topic that gets thrown to Sam Pittman and KJ and Rocket and Landon Jackson? What is it for Arkansas? I mean, for me, it's 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 what 
different wrinkles as Dan Enos bring into the offense. Um, you know, I think Kendall Bryles, most Arkansas fans will agree that, you know, he kind of wore out his welcome. It was just time to move on. It was time to do something different. And I think uh, there was a lot of positive momentum we heard out of the spring with, with different things that Dan Enos was bringing, maybe a little bit more pro-style stuff. And so, uh, you know, we're going to see KJ a little bit more under center and things like that. Uh, I'm just excited to hear about some of the ch- some of the changes. Now, don't get away from the power run game. I mean, we still want to see Rocket, you know, uh, toting the rock and, uh, you know, breaking off long runs and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, the other side is, this defense, you guys know, it has to be better, particularly the pass defense. You can't get any worse than it was a year ago. And so, again, you know, if Arkansas makes those changes, if the offense has some tweaks that gets better and the defense is much improved, Arkansas will, will make a leap this year. We know the schedule is brutal, but if you do those little things and you can find ways to win close games, I think uh, I think Arkansas is a, one of those sneaky teams to watch out for. And obviously, you got the hardest part figured out—a veteran quarterback like KJ Jefferson leading you. Uh, you know, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. When you look around at all the inexperience that the SEC has this year, quarterback. So, uh, to me, that's that's the biggest one. You know, what what differences is Danny knows bringing, and, and how much of it will be for the positive? What coaches are you most interested in hearing from? Is that something that? pretty much stays the same as far as uh, if there are a certain core group of coaches that remain in the conference. Is that something that stays the same pretty much every year? Yeah, nobody really says anything. I, I'm curious. Like, there's still some coaches you can you can punch their buttons. Like, at least with Lane Kiffin, you can set him up to take shots at people. He's almost – he's not as good as Spurrier was back in the day, but he's kind of like the modern-day Spurrier where, like, he's not afraid to throw darts at people. So – I hope Lane Kiffin grabs some headlines with, with you know, taking some shots at other coaches and schools next week. But, man, I can't wait to see Jimbo Fisher at the podium because he's got to stand up there and defend the Bobby Petrino hire and explain how he's going to completely defer to Bobby and let him call the offense and he will not be tinkering in the plays and all that. And I think if somebody asks – like, somebody will ask the first question, he'll be fine. If somebody harps on it with a second or third question and a follow-up, Man, he's gonna he's gonna blow his lid because he you, we saw that during spring ball he kind of went off on some of the media members there saying hey can we get some real media members asking questions here you know Sports Illustrated used to be the pinnacle of, of asking good questions you know why don't you ask a good question like Texas and so man, I think Jimbo is just kind of ready to burst and so I'm excited to see that one um, and then just some of the other coaches I mean Josh Heupel look he's getting pinned right now as look you had a great year last year but you lose Hendon Hooker you lose all those receivers. You reload with Joe Milton and you know some other inexperienced receivers and all that. Can you do it again? Um, I think there's a little bit of pressure there on Heupel. Tennessee fans, I, I am shocked. I put out our, our preview show last week for Tennessee, and I said, look, I think nine wins for Tennessee would be good. I got murdered by Tennessee <laughs> fans who were all like, you're a joke if you think we're losing, you know, we're losing three games. We're winning at least 10 or 11 this year. I'm like, my God, the Tennessee fans, they have come out of the woodwork expecting, you know, uh, you know, undefeated seasons. And so it's, it's going to be crazy uh, to, to see, you know, how Heupel handles that hype now that he's uh, kind of got Tennessee back on the map. And then, of course, Kirby and Georgia. I mean, it's, it's so ridiculous how loaded they are with just talent everywhere. They've already got the number one class right now just loaded into that one for 2024. Uh, you know, when we throw around the word three-peat, I, I, just, I look at Carson Beck and say, man, the kid has all the tools in the world, and he's actually more talented than Stetson Bennett. He's not better than Stetson Bennett yet. But he's got a better arm, and he's more talented. So if everything hits for him early on, I put in an early Heisman bid on, on Carson Beck because 
Georgia's schedule is a joke how easy it is. If they're not sitting there undefeated at the end of the year, then Kirby's got to have some answering to do because uh, Georgia's just absolutely loaded. And no offense to Nick Saban and Alabama, but it's looking like Georgia's still the king of uh, the SEC and not going anywhere anytime soon. Speaking with Chris Gordy of Sports Talk 790 in Houston as well as the Locked On SEC podcast here on the Jones and Sun Diamond and Bridal Fine Jewelry Hotline. <clears throat> so, Chris, I, I was curious because I put this question out actually on Twitter for us today and speaking about SEC media days. I was curious for fans, like, do they care? Do they pay attention to it? Do, do they like it at all? And at least as of right now, it's a little bit more even than I thought it would be, but around 60% of fans uh, say no, they don't really care about it. We care about it in the media. I think it's great for content. It's great for discussion. It's great for all that stuff. But do you feel like fans overall of the SEC and in SEC schools, they really don't care about this and it doesn't do anything for them? Well, they care about it from a sense of it, it just marks the unofficial start of college football season, basically, right? Like the, the countdown is on. When we get to SEC media days and we've got all the coaches and players talking, we know football is going to be here very soon. That They'll be hitting the practice field and – uh We'll be counting down the days to kick off. So that's why, you know, at least some people care. But, yeah, like, I guess I kind of agree. Like, most fans just want to tailgate. They want to watch their team play football. They don't really care about talking season and, and what coaches have to say. And, oh, our, our third string tight end has really put on some weight this offseason. Like, nobody cares about that, really. So um, I get it. I get where they're coming from. But, look, that's why I hope somebody asks some good questions next week and we get some good fodder and some headline stuff because, Look, what was better? A year ago at this time, we were laughing our butts off at Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher taking jabs at each other publicly over the NIL battle and all that. So, look, that's that's where I think Elaine Kiffin could really make some headway. Throw Shane Beamer in there, too. And how about a Hugh Freeze? Let's get some, let's get some barbs thrown at, at each other and make some headlines next week at, uh, at SEC Media Days. But overall, I kind of agree with you. Like, it's not real football. It's just it's talking about football. And most fans just want to have a beer, eat some barbecue, and uh, – and watch their team kick off. How do you feel about the change in scenery going to Nashville and not Hoover or Atlanta? Yeah, it's fun. Um, I, I was told this was in the works for many years that they were trying to get this going, and I thought Atlanta did a great job twice already, you know, hosting and uh, a great tie-in being right there by the uh, the College Football Hall of Fame, and you know, downtown Atlanta, you can walk to so much stuff and all that. But I'm excited. I've actually never been to Nashville, so excited to experience that for the first time next week. But yeah, I've heard conversations now with the expansion of Texas and Oklahoma coming in next year that Dallas is very much in play. Uh, Houston, New Orleans, they, they want to move this thing around and make it a spectacle. And, and uh, you know, when you talk about the traveling party of SEC Media Days, it's not just us guys. It's not just radio, you know, guys. But uh, although that does bring, I think, last year it was 50, 60 radio stations now make the, the trip to uh, to Media Days every year. Uh, you've got reporters. You've got writers you got the TV crews. I mean, uh, you know, my buddies who work in Baton Rouge Media, you got three different TV stations that all send their reporters and cameramen and all this. So, I mean, you're talking about hundreds and hundreds of people that travel for Media Day. So, it is a spectacle. They're trying to make it a bigger, bigger event. I don't know if you saw the press release a few weeks ago that they're going to have a live concert to kick things off on Monday night in downtown Nashville. Greg Sankey will be a part of it. So, they're doing their part to try to make this thing bigger and bigger and bigger. And, it's going to be a travel and road show. I, I'd expect uh, we probably get an announcement here sometime in the next, uh, you know, sometime next week that they will announce Dallas will be a future host site for uh, for SEC Media Days, and I, I think that's probably good news for you guys because it's a little bit closer drive for you than some of these other points. 
Yeah, it's uh, we're always about the the closeness because nothing's ever close to Arkansas. It feels like I mean Dallas and Nashville is about <laughs> as good as it gets because Dallas is I think is like four four and a half hours from Little Rock, and then Nashville is I think five something like that. So yeah, we'll take those two cities all day long for traveling purposes. But uh, also, I know that you, of course we talk a lot of SEC. I want your thoughts because I know it's a story you've been following. This this Pat Fitzgerald thing in Northwestern, we've talked about it with the, with the hazing allegations, and now he's officially been fired. Uh, just what do you make of this story? And also, do you think that the way it was handled was done correctly? Because it seems like a lot of different people who are involved are on different pages, and it just seems like a big mess for Northwestern right now. Yeah, we talked about it on our show today, and it's it's a tough, tough situation. Because when details like this come out, I don't know why our instinct is always burn them at the stake, uh, fire them, get rid of them. What a disgrace despicable human being. You know what I mean? Like, we're always so quick to villainize people. And that's what I thought when I first read this. I'm like, what in the world were you doing, Pat Fitzgerald? This, you know, just complete lack of control of your locker room, letting these, uh, you know, heathens, I guess you would say, take advantage of some of these young guys on the football team and just, you know, stupid, immature stuff. But then somebody reminded me today, they said, think of the Duke lacrosse scandal. Think of the uh, the, the putter um you know, who, who got accused of sexual assault, and then it came out after it wasn't what it was supposed to be. Are we are we jumping the gun here a little bit too too quickly? In other words, it was the school newspaper did a story and had some quotes from an anonymous player, and you know we're just taking it all as fact and oh this this absolutely happened. And they've had a few other players come out with similar stories, but I just I, I caution because if the school the school said they did their full investigation, started last fall, went through January. And they came to a resolution several days ago that said, based on everything we found, we think he deserves a two-week suspension. And then something happened with the outpouring of the backlash the last handful of days where they got crushed, and they were like, oh, well, I guess we got to fire him now. I just wonder, like, are we villainizing him? You know, are we, are we jumping the gun here and just assuming, oh, this is what happened because a newspaper ran with it and had a couple of, of guys' stories? I just I would love to hear more publicly from some other guys. You know what I mean? I'd love to hear more from some other Northwestern players to say, yeah, you know what, this did happen, and I was a part of it, and it's wrong. We, we apologize. You know, this we were immature, we were stupid, all this kind of stuff. Um, and obviously, they crossed the line. I mean, when you go from it, it's one thing to be, I don't know, you know, jumping on a guy and and oh, you know, hey, you messed up at practice today. But then when they put the word sexual and and things like that, that's where you really start to cross the line, obviously. So. I don't know. It's, it's going to be fascinating to see. I just, I'd love to hear more details of it, but it does make me look at it and say, what did the school find in their months and months and months of investigation that came to, to say, well, we think Patrick Fitzgerald didn't really know about this, so we'll give him a two-week suspension, and then go from that to say, well, now he's fired uh, because of you know the backlash we've gotten and maybe there was something we missed here in the details of the story. So, um, you know, there was the other piece of it, too, that came out and said in 2006, the player said uh, – you know, he was a black player, so they were made him cut his dreadlocks and, and all that. My question to that was, is that something they still were holding in 2023? Or is this more just pouring on of, oh, yeah, by the way, I forgot 15 years ago, Patrick Fitzgerald did this to me. Again, I'm not defending Patrick Fitzgerald by any means. Don't get me wrong. Based on what we've heard, if this is all true, he absolutely deserves to be fired. I just wonder how much of this becomes, we pointed a guy, we villainized him, and now suddenly everybody pours on and says, yeah, he's despicable, this is god-awful. And the other side of the two guys is our Bryles conversation as well. Like how much, you know, how much does a football coach need to be involved with his players on a day-to-day basis? And I think the answer we find is a lot. Everything your player does on or off the field comes back on you because you recruited him, you, you brought him to your campus, 
and you've got to answer for what that kid does. And so I think we find that more and more every day in college football. Do you think if there was a stricter punishment from the start other than the two-week suspension, then this led to some of that backlash, you don't get as much backlash, and then you could avoid the termination, which ultimately was the result there. But there's a stricter punishment from the start. It doesn't get to this point where you're talking about termination. That's a great point, yeah. What if Northwestern had come out a week ago and said, you know what, based on our findings, there is some ratification here for uh, – for Patrick Scare, we'll suspend him for the entire season. Like, I think that would have sent shockwaves. It would have sent a message that's a harsh punishment and probably could have saved his job. Like, I think now, you know, even with more details coming out, I think, you know, Northwestern could have at least pointed to it and said, look, what do you want us to do? We suspend him for the entire year. You know, I think that maybe would have saved it. But, dude, you come out with a two – we suspended him for two weeks. Like, who cares if you're suspended in July as a college football coach? That doesn't do anything. So – yeah, you're right. Going soft on their front end probably uh, is what cost them, you know, and made them have to go all the way to firing you. Chris, uh, I know we talk a lot of football, but you're also a big baseball guy. Home run derby last night, all-star game tonight. Uh, did, that, did that tickle your fancy? Were you interested in it? What did you make of it? Yeah, home run derby was better last night because we had some bigger names, right? Like Black Guerrero, we're starting to know Pete Alonso. Like, I'm just thinking like people who are casual baseball fans, maybe not a diehard fan of a team. You know, Julio Rodriguez has really arrived on the scene and it being in Seattle was a cool thing. But I just think we need the bigger names, right? I mean, it's the same thing as the dunk contest for years. We're like, when's LeBron going to do the dunk contest? And Anthony Davis and, you know, the stars. You know, think of like last night's event if we had all the same guys, but we also had Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, Aaron Judge. You know, it, it just would have ramped it up even more. And so, better effort this year with some, some more of the star powers, some bigger names, but I still think they can they can do a little bit better on that front. And the game tonight, who cares? Like it's it's all these all the, from the Pro Bowl to the NBA All Star Game to the MLB All Star Game. They're just these exhibition games that the average fans just doesn't give a damn about. And I don't know how you fix it. I don't know how you make it more intriguing. I at least liked when home field advantage of the World Series was on the line because at least something you know at least there was some meaning to the game. Now that that's gone, like there's nothing meaningful about tonight's game. It doesn't matter. You know the the, the Diamondbacks hitter gets in in the eighth inning and a pinch hit opportunity. Like, nobody cares. So, I don't know how you fix it. I just know uh, it doesn't garner a whole lot of interest nationwide. Yeah, I think that it's going to be uh, something that I'll have it watching in the background, but not going to not going to be anything world-changing or anything. But, wait, real quick before I let you get out of here, I also know you've been covering and watching some NBA Summer League. Anything stand out to you? I know Houston and the, the Rockets have been on your radar, but anything from the NBA Summer League that stood out? Yeah, I mean, Jabari Smith, uh, of course, you guys know from watching him at Auburn, uh, I mean, he absolutely looks like he's taking his game to the next, to the next level in year two with the Rockets. Uh, and Tari Eason as well, who played at LSU. So two SEC guys uh, made a big impact the first two games for the Rockets in their summer league. The bad news is it sounds like they're both going to be shut down and they're not going to play in the third game tonight. So unfortunate for fans because they were both scoring in the 30s and uh, putting on highlight dunks and all this kind of stuff. But uh, to me, that's just kind of been the story of the summer league. And, and keep an eye on some of the Arkansas guys and, and what they're doing. But, um, yeah, it's just kind of fun to see two SEC guys who we saw, you know, at 18, 19 years old and what they're doing now and, and developing into big-time uh, up-and-coming stars in the NBA. Well, Gordy, we, as always, man, we appreciate you joining us. Enjoy the week. See you at SEC Media Days in Nashville next week, man. We'll catch up with you. Yeah, Johnny, get those vocals warmed up. we got some karaoke to do. <laughs> 